You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network. As we move into another week of Third Watch recap, goodness, we are moving into the third episode of the fifth season. This one is called Lockdown. First aired on the 13th of October 2003. It was written by Janine Sherman Barrois, 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 name which I'm probably completely butchering right now, and it was directed by. Peter Ellis, and, uh, yeah, this one's a, a, an interesting one. It's, um, got people involved in, uh, possible disease spread of New York, and it's kind of a storyline we're gonna revisit in about a season's time with a crossover episode with another TV show. But hey, what are we counting? My name is Ben, and promise me you'll never put me in a vase over the fireplace. <laughs> yeah, what are we counting indeed? My name is Darvell, and I sort of picture myself at 75 in Vegas cardiac arrest and a couple of d cups in my face yep that's exactly what i picture myself too but um i don't know we we all have different dreams apparently not i apparently i'm the same as carlos but uh anyway lockdown uh, every time i just <laughs> every time i hear the title of this episode i just keep thinking of Kanye west uh, love lockdown but uh you know completely different things this is um yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to describe this episode. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's not brilliant. It's just kind of there. And I, I kind of always, I guess, get this one confused with, uh, season six because we're going to have an episode next season, which is very, very similar. Um, so yeah, I don't know how I necessarily feel about this one because I guess if you're watching this just in order and you'd never seen season six before, then it's unfair to judge this one. And it's probably more fair to judge the next season because again, we've got a similar episode, but, uh, you know, I guess this is kind of, it's a decent episode. Yeah, it is. It really was. I mean, the plague, spoiler alert, sorry. I mean, that's, <laughs> you don't really hear about that anymore. Well, not in this part of the world anyway. Yeah, and I think it's kind of, it's a good way of putting it out there because, I mean, I think it's true what they say in this episode that there are still parts of the world where the plague is a thing. Um, so, you know, it's not completely eradicated, but it is, I mean, it's kind of interesting because, you know, you hear the plague and automatically you hear, you think of like, you know, the stories about the Black Death and the rats and the Pied Piper and all that kind of thing, you know, like it's, it's kind of something relegated to history, but, um, yeah, it's, I mean, look, it's, I think it's a unique idea to have sort of a possible disease spread throughout a city like New York, obviously, you know, like eight, nine million people and kind of the logistics. It wouldn't be hard to do. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. And this is something that, you know, I mean, it was similar, what was it, after World War One, wasn't it? It was Spanish flu, wasn't that a thing that kind of just spread the world really quickly? So, um, yeah. So, I, it's a good idea behind it. It's just not exactly the most outstanding episode we'll ever watch of Third Watch, but it kind of, again, signifies season five. It's the ultimate Grace Foster episode of Third Watch. It's just kind of, there, there. <laughs> uh, you know? Um, yep. Yeah, poor old Grace. She she comes in this season, doesn't she? <laughs> I keep yes, forgetting she uh, comes in season episode five. Episode 20, episode 19 or 20, I think. Well, we, we get also the introduction of one of our other characters this episode, don't we? So, um, anyway, we'll get to that. But, uh, we start off with a montage. Because, yeah, we do. Season five is a montage season, as has been season four and some of season three. Um, we get some Nora Jones this time around, Darvell. Are you, are you a Nora Jones fan? 
I can't say I've heard of her. Really? Oh, interesting. No, she's quite a big deal. Probably more early 2000, like around about this period, she was a very big deal. Like, um, I think I first knew her because whatever year she won all the Grammys, um, she was up against Avril Lavigne and that was kind of like, oh, Avril Lavigne's going to win like all these Grammys, like best new artist, best new everything and all this sort of stuff. And then Nora Jones like swept the field and won like all of them and Avril Lavigne didn't win any. There's a random little thing for you. Um, so I was pissed off at Nora Jones that year. Um, but she kind of does this. <laughs> yeah. I have a hard time picturing you being, being an Avril Lavigne fan. Uh, well, let's just ignore that one and move on then. Um, but she, um, she kind of does that like slow, relaxing, kind of almost jazzy type music. But I mean, this song is called New York City, funnily enough. Um, but it's a nice song. I like this song. I'm not maybe a huge Nora Jones fan, but you know, she, she's been in, she's done some acting as well. What she's been in, I couldn't tell you, but, um, you know, she's, she's quite big deal, but this is a montage. We've I'll got, check her out. Yeah, you should. Uh, we've got, uh, beautiful shots of the city. Hence the song about New York city. Um, We've got Sully and Davis at a checkpoint, which is going to come into play very, very soon. We've got Kim walking out of a, a medical office with a letter, you know, giving a look at it, like, oh, will she open it? What's the results? But no, she just keeps on walking by. It's kind of almost a very cliche montage, you know. We've just got these moments of people just staring off into the distance. I, I sometimes wonder, Darvel, I don't know about you, but, like, I'm, I'm doing mundane tasks, and I kind of look off into the distance and wonder, is whoever's watching my TV show, a la The Truman Show, got a montage currently right now? Um, we've got Doc, he's in his office, he's unpacking his boxes, uh, we've got Cruz, she's coming out of a dry cleaner, she's got a uniform in a bag, um, and then we cut to Bosco and Monroe, um, Bosco wants to put on the siren, and Monroe, Monroe turns the siren off, I love the way she's kind of like, hey, and Bosco's like, hey, and she's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> So, this is the first time these two are paired up, Darvel. Uh, we have our Bosco and Monroe pairing, which is really going to form the majority of Season 5, isn't it? It really is. It's either going to be Bosco and Monroe or occasionally Bosco and Cruz. Mm. And we get a fair bit of Bosco. Do we get any Bosco and Monroe? We do get a bit of Bosco and Monroe in Season 6, don't we? There's Bosco and Sully in Season 6, which is great. But, um, yeah, and of course we get Bosco and Monroe in Season 5, because there's a whole uh, robbery situation, isn't there, with the shooting, and she's pregnant and kind of just trying not to spoil this. Um, That's Season 6. Yeah, so I'm just... Because, you know, like, Bosco's missing from a large portion of Season 6, just like uh, Jokas is missing from a large portion of Season 5, so... Um, I just always forget who they're partnered up with when they come back. But obviously, Yokes and Bosco kind of come back together at the end of this season. And yeah, but w- my point is, without just dropping all these spoilers on people who are enjoying this without spoilers, um, is that Bosco and Munro partnered up? I kind of like them. Like, I think there's this balance between them where, where, you know, we discussed Munro kind of being a very vanilla, you know, middle of the road cop, but there is something about her sass that she has. That she really does balance Bosco, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, Yokus was a perfect balance with Bosco, but they knew each other enough and how they worked. Whereas these two don't know each other. And Bosco is obviously very, you know, he's kind of back to being his hard-edged self and kind of snappy and just, you know, a bit of a dick most of the time. Whereas Munro really balances him out well with a sass. I, I like it. Yeah, and Bosco, of course, can be rather sassy himself, so... I'm... It's... <laughs> It's nice to see. It's 
not to say that Faith couldn't do this because I mean she could, but it's nice to see it's nice to see a partner, albeit a temporary one, be able to hold her own with that. Yeah, because like we had what one episode with Davis and Bosco, which you know I got that very wrong back when I said they never partnered up. Um, and you know we get at least what one or two with Sully and Bosco, so they're kind of. You know, they're all different pairings, and obviously Cruz is completely different there too. But, yeah, I really, I don't know, there's just something randomly I like about the way Munro deals with Bosco, and it's never really addressed too much. Like, it's not like you really feel a sense that these two give a damn about each other a whole lot, if you know what I mean. It's like, it's never really implied outside of work that they care enough about each other. But, um, you know, it's still, I like it. That's my point. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say here, Dabell. Um It works. It works. Yes, that's the way of looking at it. They're, basically, Bosco wants to put the sirens on because they're driving Yoka's home. She's in the ambulance uh, with Fred and kind of having a conversation about uh, not being put in boxes and in um, urns above fireplaces and stuff like that. Carlos um, is there. He's driving the ambulance and helps Yoka's out. Kind of a nice little moment. You don't really, you rarely ever get to see Carlos with uh, Yokus, I think we did back in the self-importance of being Carlos. That was about it, wasn't it? Um, and I think so. Then we got um, Fred kind of being a bit of a dick as they get out of the ambulance. <laughs> Yokus telling Fred to leave Carlos alone. Bosco and Fred share this death stare as they kind of walk past each other. And then Bosco doesn't want to go up, and Munro goes upstairs and takes Yokus upstairs instead. So, um, yeah, there's kind of a little setup there. We know that Yokus is going to be home. Um, and then we've got Sully and Davis at this checkpoint. So, clearly in a post-9-11 world, there's lots of checkpoints going on throughout New York City. Um, and somehow Sully and Davis have been put on checkpoint duty. And Sully is very happy. Can we just point out that about a season ago, he was extremely depressed and on the verge with a gun with his hand? And now... And it's now the <laughs> yeah, opposite, and isn't now it? he's so happy. <laughs> he's busting out the Pharrell. <laughs> I can see so. Can you can you please do that in like your Sully voice? Like, <laughs> I'm so happy, crap of love. <laughs> I'm so happy, <laughs> Davis. I said, I'm so happy, crap of love. If you feel like a room without a roof, <laughs> you know when we get Skip Sutter from the show, that's going to be the first thing we get him to do. Like, hi Skip, welcome to the Oz Network. Can you please sing "Happy" by Pharrell Williams? <laughs> yeah, we'll see if he does it. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Like, why wouldn't he? Uh, <laughs> but it's like it's. I mean, go go ahead. I was gonna say, I mean, the man's not a bad singer, so. No, well, he's got a band, uh, <laughs> so yep. yes. Um, the thing though is that, like, do we like Happy Sully? Because it's kind of weird, isn't it? He's here talking about um, basically retiring. Um, and wanting to go play golf, essentially. But he's very perky. He's very happy. Um, he goes and talks to this one guy who's like, do I look like a terrorist to you? Um, and what is, he mentioned something about Scandinavia. And then they're like, can you spell it? He's oh. like, what? <laughs> like, can you spell Scandinavia? If you spell it, I'll let you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, to answer your question about do we like Happy Sully, um, of course, I mean, we know Sully. That's not really the character we've gotten to know over the uh, four and two episodes so far seasons. Yeah. But 
considering how I was a year ago, figuratively. Yeah. It's, it's a nice change, albeit a brief one. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that we've got these like polar opposites that sort of like Doc sort of is about to be a real, you know, the opposite um, of what he kind of is. And now here we've got Sully. But I mean, it's, it's not like this is like a thing that kind of lasts forever, is it, with Sully? I mean, he kind of just goes back to being Sully very shortly. Um, yeah. But the, the one thing that I really like about this like bit here, just it's just really funny the way... Um, you know, when Sally's like, can you spell it? And he's like saying like, you know, can you spell Scandinavia? I'll let you go through. He has this little glance. He kind of gives this guy an up and down look and he's like chewing gum. And then he basically, the way he turns around, it does a whole like, he, what's he like? He shoots it onto the green and scores and he gives like Davis a high five or something like that. Like, <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's been a while, I think maybe since we've really had a good like character moment between Davis and Sully where you just know that these two have great chemistry on and off screen. So. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think Skip Sardis is just having fun in this scene, so um, it's, a, it's who a, wouldn't be? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a nice little scene, and kind of throughout that we see um, another truck pull up behind, and we've got a suspicious-looking man, and he's kind of like looking left and right, like, oh no, I'm being you know pulled pulled over here. What's going to happen? So um, you know, we're going to find out very very soon. Uh, we have then in the precinct. <clears throat> We have Cruz, she's in uniform. This is uh, a first that we've seen, and she's uh, looking in the mirror, doing her hair and kind of fixing herself up, and you can tell she's obviously looking a little bit nervous. She doesn't like wearing the uniform. She's about to walk out there and probably be judged, and yes, she is going to be judged. Um, kind of say, Tia Tejada looks good in uniform, so... <laughs> I'm just going to point out the obvious there. <laughs> Wasn't it last season when we had that whole situation about, um, you know, men look good in uniform, women don't look good in uniform? I disagree. She looks very... Good. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was when Bosco and Faith first met. Uh, Bosco was telling Faith that uh, the uniform doesn't complement the female figure. Yeah. Well, look, I... That was in that flashback. Yeah, I... I... I think this, she looks very, very good anyway. Um, Swirsky kind of pulls her aside and tells her that she needs to get summons and she sort of stands up for herself and says, if I was a guy, I would have been promoted for what I did. And then Swirsky just kind of keeps telling her, like, you know, you can do more summons. What am I talking about? You can do 30 summons or whatever it is, like double the amount that originally uh, he said that she should do. Now, it's, a, it's an interesting point which she says, like, you know, if I was a guy, I would have been promoted. I mean, it's kind of one of the few times I feel that she like kind of plays that gender card and you know i've i've said a lot about Cruz and the gender situation i think it's more about um audience opinion on her that she would be treated differently if she was a male over a female but uh i mean i don't necessarily know if i think this is a true fact i don't know like i'm not a cop are you a cop Darvell? do you think a man would have been promoted for you know having this fbi secret sting going on and eventually shooting other cops in a hotel room i don't know about that but anyway Shooting other cops in a hotel room, no. Mm. FBI sting, probably. Possibly, yeah, depending on how that all played out, of course. Um, we're back to the checkpoint. Sully uh, is checking in the back of one of the trucks. He juggles some peaches. Um, he's very happy there. <laughs> he's just juggling. I love peaches. Uh, peaches. What's the President's the USA song? Millions of peaches, peaches for me. Do you know that song? No. No. I've got to, you've got to expand your musical horizons here, Darvell. You've got to listen to the Presidents of the USA. Great band from the 90s. Um, 
I'll have to check them out. Yeah, I can definitely see Sully. Millions of peaches, peaches. I can't do a Sully, never mind. Um, <laughs> Davis does say at one point, he says to Sully, like, I don't think I like you like this. Uh, so he's kind of speaking as the audience. But then we get, uh, I guess, the setup for this episode. So another truck sort of coming slowly towards them. And they're sort of going, what's this guy doing? He drives straight at Sully, nearly takes him out. They call him for backup. Um, and then we have the opening credits. And then we have this pretty epic chase for uh, some time. Um, Sully kind of just going gangbusters towards this guy and pulling a few Bosco moves and, you know, trying to cut him off. And they're obviously not sure, like, what this truck is. They're probably going to assume it's got explosives in it because, again, we're in a post-9-11 world. Uh, some great back and forth between Davis and Sully as they're trying to cut him off. And Sully just really being a bit cocky, isn't he? He'd be like, you know, watch this. I know where you're going. You think you know where you're going, but I'm going to stop you from going there. Um, great camera work here too. Um, we've got like overhead shots of the streets. We've got some like close ups of their faces. Um, and just like the way, you know, you look at, um, the way Davis is kind of reacting here, Kobe Bell, and just, it's just great acting. It's just a really tense scene. We've got no music playing in the background either. So it's just kind of purely, which is good. Yeah, it's great. Like just purely the sound effects of this. And it's, it's a good car chase. Like in a, in a season where we're just going to be throwing explosions at us left, right and center, you know, any excuse to kind of pull off a big stunt to try and attract the viewers. This one's done in a way where it doesn't feel forced. Like this one actually feels like this would be and fit in like a season one season two scenario where you just got just great tense car chase um eventually they cut him off and he goes into a paddock and as he goes into this paddock he flips and uh he lands on his side and then they obviously are going oh shit what's happening here because they're assuming maybe a bomb or something will go off but um it doesn't go off and we're gonna find out but there's like a whole truckload of uh people in the back of that truck how no one died with that crash i don't know uh, again, I'm not a doctor. Apparently, I'm not a lot of things this episode, Darvel. Um, so... Well, if it makes you feel any better, nor am I. Oh, good to know. We're bonding here. Uh, I feel that, you know, these are things we didn't know about each other. Then I didn't know you weren't a doctor, Darvel, so that's good. I could have had a heart attack halfway through this episode, and you wouldn't have been any help. So now we know that. <laughs> Just, you know, subtle little bonding moments. Um... Yep. Yokus in a chair up in an apartment. Sasha just checking everything's okay. Ma, Yokus all but kicks her out of the uh, apartment. She doesn't want any help, and that's kind of going to be an ongoing theme this episode. Fred's moved around a lot of things in the apartment, so Yokus can get around a little bit. So uh, that's pretty good. Monroe in the car. She talks to Bosco, or just outside the car. And uh, obviously talks about, you know, like, she doesn't like getting help, does she? And Bosco's like, no, she doesn't. Uh, and then Bosco wants to stay there and wait. Um, this also involves uh, Bosco calling her Missy, uh, <laughs> which is funny, because uh, uh, Bosco pulls rank and says, I'm senior, which is like, what, the first time I've ever heard Bosco try and pull rank? And um, I do love the way that Munro just stands back, like, firstly, you oh, don't call yes. me Missy. <laughs> Secondly, the boss told me I was babysitting you, so let's go. Uh, so. <laughs> and and yeah, the Bosco pulling rank thing—that's that's exactly the kind of thing he would do too. Yeah, which is kind of just going back to well what I was saying about well, this relationship between these two. That like again, it's never really a relationship that kind of goes much outside of the car, and they're kind of you know essentially being on their first day. So Bosco not too happy uh, of sitting there. 
uh, oh, sorry, of being partnered with Munro. So there's got to be this, I guess, tension between the two of them, but it's done in such a way which I think is kind of, you know, just the way that Munro, as I was saying before, like her sass, like, firstly, don't call me Missy. <laughs> <laughs> which, again, if this was 2018, yeah. that would be a lawsuit, but anyway. <laughs> or it would play out the same... Or it would play out the same way, and she'd get a hell of a lot more applause for saying that. Yeah, true. Yeah, and yeah. not that that's a bad thing. No, exactly. Not that that's a bad thing because she can, because it, she is proving that she, she doesn't just lay down and take shit. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah, and again, this, I mean, I guess this probably would be one of those scenarios that you would assume that you know Bosco is not going to speak to her that way if she was a man. So you know, like this is one of those ones where you're probably like, okay, fair enough. Um, we've got a brief bit where Sully and Davis are kind of just hanging out in their car, not knowing whether they should approach the truck or not. Um, but they don't, uh, they don't want to go up there and kind of, you know, set off an explosion or something. So they're waiting for backup and the bomb squad. Um, Bosco, meanwhile, is still waiting outside the car and we see Emily show up with two friends. Um, and basically we find God, out. I hated those two girls she was with. They just randomly, that's it. They're in it for like one scene essentially. Like, what does she say? Like, girl, this totally feeling you. Put my number in your phone. <laughs> what? They're like 16, 15. Yes, exactly. They're going to have a, you know, mid thirties cop wanting to, you know, sleep. Okay. We know that Bosco thinks she's got great legs. Uh, but that was, that wasn't Emily, De- uh, that wasn't Bonnie Dennison Emily, that was, uh, other Emily, so. PJ Morrison. Thank you, I knew it was a PJ something, I was thinking PJ. Um, basically we find <laughs> out here that Emily has changed schools, so, okay, that happened without us knowing. Um, and again, Emily's kind of just normal here, there's nothing really to dislike Emily, <laughs> they've just calmed her down a lot. So... Who are you and what have you done with Ben Waterworth? I don't know. But, like, she's just normal. She's like, there's nothing to dislike her about her here. This is, again, people last season who just think I'm hating on Emily for Emily's sake. There were reasons to despise her character last season. She was annoying as all hell. Whereas this season, she's just being normal. So what's not to dislike about her? You know, there's... I'm trying to be fair here, David. <laughs> I know I'm just giving you shit. Yeah, well, you always do, right? <laughs> I if you're like a doctor, too. you wouldn't do this. But wait, you're not a doctor. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, so man. we have the fire crew and the bomb squad and everyone, um, showing up to our, uh, crash thing. <coughs> Jimmy's here. Just Jimmy's getting, Jimmy's had more screen time in three episodes than he did, I think, in all of season four. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Jimmy's been in every episode so far and Jimmy's getting some decent screen time. He's going to get even more next episode. So, um, Jimmy doing well. Uh, Eugene and Kim show up. Uh, Jimmy says to Kim that um, he'll protect her. Uh, we've got the bomb squad showing up as well. But in the midst of all this, we should really mention that we do have the introduction of somebody who will become slightly important in this show moving forward. And for the sad reason that she's never included as a main cast member, even though I all but include her as a main cast member, we see for the uh, first time. Well, actually, no, not the first time. We see for the second time, but the first time as a different character, Yvonne Jung, a.k.a. Uh, Holly Levine, a.k.a. the real-life Mrs. Mrs. Anthony Reeva, aka potentially the future Mrs. Carlos Nieto. I don't know if I said that out loud. Um, but she emerges <laughs> from the ambulance carrying every single piece of equipment. She's got a helmet over her head. She just looks completely clumsy. And we get that line from Carlos <laughs> that is one weird chick, which 
it's just hilarious how they set this up. I mean, it's kind of a bit cliche that you've got the character who doesn't like another character, eventually they're going to hook up sort of thing, but it's it's done in such a charming way because if you didn't know that in real life that was Anthony Rivervar's wife, then, like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, but... I just love the way they kind of set these two up because it's just such a long build because it's really a full season till these two ever get together, isn't it? Like spoiler alert. So it is, and it helps that they it helps that they are married in real life because you know then they they know they really don't need to act it. Yeah, exactly. They can just play off each other. I do remember in the interview I had with Anthony Rivervar when he mentioned about kind of like how easy it was to be able to just like do that. And there was the the season six scene where they're just like laying in bed together. And I think um, Holly's got all those cats. And um, I remember Anthony Rivervar saying like how it felt a bit weird because usually that's just them laying in bed talking. Whereas this time around, they've got like 50 cameras around them, like, you know, just like filming their usual what they do. So, yeah, this is our first on-screen appearance of Holly. She's been mentioned a couple of times. But, um, yeah, again, Yvonne Jung, we did see her back in, what was it, season two, season three? She was like the eight Season three. Yeah, she was like yeah, the... Yeah, season three... Episode eight, act brave. I'll look at you. She was the, yeah, she was the, uh, uh, judge or attorney or something handling Jimmy and Kim's custody battle over Joey. Yeah. And she, was it, um, Viola Davis? We had that episode too, wasn't it? Um, so yes. yeah, that's right. That was that episode. Yeah. Look, you're just a knowledge bank when it comes to this sort of things. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, I mean, do you, like, it's just a, br- a brief sort of moment here with Holly showing up, but are you glad that we're kind of finally getting some Holliness? Because, again, we, we had this with Sasha showing up, we've got Holly yes. showing up. It's only really going to be the addition of Grace and Finney now that really kind of signals our, our main sort of second part, you know, second half, final two seasons actors to really kind of swell this show into what we're going to get, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, and all I yes, guess... And, that- I do, and I do like this addition. I mean... Levine may be a little, maybe a little out there, but, but I, I like the character. Yeah, she's, I mean, she, I would refer to her as like a, a Phoebe type of character for Friends fans out there. You know, she's quirky. She's kind of got that element to her and kind of, you know, it's, you're always going to have a character like that is going to clash with other characters who don't necessarily believe in a lot of the stuff that she believes in and everything. So, um, yeah, anyway. Um, so we see sort of the tension of this guy in a bomb suit. Imagine being pulling that short straw. Like, you, you're wearing a giant padded suit with a thing, and you've got to hope that that is going to stop you from getting killed if a bomb is to explode. <laughs> like, I guess you've got to know a fair bit of things about bombs to be able to go and do that. So anyway, we've got this right. bomb guy, astronaut-looking <clears throat> fella walking up towards the back of the truck. He opens the door, and what do we have? A truck filled with people. Um, obviously, this guy is a people smuggler, and we've got a, a big truck filled with uh, what we're going to find out, uh, what, Chinese, um, I don't want to call them refugees. Uh, what would you call them? Uh, Chinese visas? Chinese uh, today it would be chi- today it would be Chinese illegal aliens. Illegal aliens, sure, we'll go with that. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you kind of got to look at the logistics of this. Like, where has he come from? Like, um, how has he gotten these people? Like, is there some sort of like secret dock somewhere where they come on a boat and he just kind of sneaks them in and smuggles them in through the city? And 
hopes there isn't a checkpoint. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm not a people smuggler. I don't know how this works. But um, I guess there is some logistically possible way that this happens. I mean, it does happen in real life. People get smuggled into countries yep. all the time. So, um, yep. Well, you're barking up the wrong tree there. But hypothetically speaking, if I if I were doing that, then yeah, I'd probably wait at wait at a wait at a boat dock with my great big old truck and mm. wait for each uh, group of people to arrive. I didn't want to say shipment because that's not a very good way of saying it. Well, you, you sound so, like you're a bit knowledgeable on this factor, Darvell. Is there something you're not telling us? <laughs> <laughs> I am telling you, I am not a people smuggler. Okay, just being hypothetical. Not a people smuggler. Not a doctor. Not a cop. Cool. Uh, <laughs> which we're establishing. No, just a regular old broadcaster. Yes, just regular old Darvell Stewart. Okay, I I see yep. how that works. Um, so we then go to a meeting with Doc's first taste of being a boss, essentially. Uh, we've got the same two guys who were in the hearing from last season, uh, with Carlos. And they're talking about, um, different medicines and how they're going to fit in the bag and how that, um, they're going to have to add extra things and remove extra things. And Doc's basically saying like, oh, you know, we'd need bigger bags than that. And they're like, oh, look at the new guy trying to spend our money. Um, and he kind of wants to get shut down. He's like, it's not we anymore, it's they. And um, basically they make a decision super quick. And Doc's like, you make a decision that quick. And it's like, well, that's how it works. And then they find out that about the incident out in the park. Uh, they've got a call and then Doc volunteers to go out and uh, see it. I'm guessing that there's some sort of rank and file or something like that when it comes to the shirts they wear because the two bigwigs from last season are both wearing white shirts and Doc and everyone else is wearing blue shirts. So I'm guessing that's kind of a, mm. a you know, thing that they do there with the different positions they have. Um, yeah, your stereotypical blue collar and white collar. Yeah, true. That's a good way of looking at it. Uh, everyone else is, uh, helping out at the scene. They're all checking over all the patients. Uh, we've kind of got that, like, I, I do like the music they use in this episode where it's kind of like that sort of Asian style music mixed in with the score. Like, Martin Davich has kind of obviously just blended in a bit of that style of music. It kind of works really well. Um, and meanwhile, while all these people are getting let out of the truck, one guy decides to do a runner. He gets out, goes for a bit of a sprint. And Davis chases after him, and this guy can somehow climb walls, does a bit of parkour stuff, climbs over a fence, jumps over a fence. And I just love Davis. He gets to the fence, and he looks. He's like, fuck that. I'm not jumping over it. So he kind of <laughs> gives up, which, I mean, I guess fair enough. Like, these guys technically haven't done anything wrong. I mean, okay, they've been illegally imported into the country, so there's that. But at the same time, you know, it's not like we know that they're sick at this point, is there? So, you know. Right. Davis has to help out at the scene, so there's that. Um, <clears throat> Fred, meanwhile, is with Yokus. They're on the bed. She doesn't want to wear a diaper. Um, so she's kind of just explaining that. You can just tell that she's not liking all this assistance being brought on to her. And then who shows up? Grandma Yokus. And we get our maybe our favourite line of this episode. Oh, goody, Grandma Yokus. <laughs> uh, best ever Emily line ever that we've ever had at this point. It really is. Uh, so just the look <laughs> really that she gives, like Fred's kind of just there in complete shock. And just the way she stares at Fred is like, oh, goody, Grandma Yokus. <laughs> Which You can tell they don't get along. <laughs> no, I just, I had to look this up because she didn't really look completely like oh yeah that's definitely the same one 
as we had uh, in The Chosen Few. But looking this up, according to IMDb, it is the same uh, actress. It is uh, an actress called Jean de Bayer. Bayer? Jean de Bayer. Uh, best known for Maverick, Wall Street, A Perfect Murder, and A Man Without a Face. Um, but yeah, according to this, and according to this, this is the last thing she's ever acted in. So, um, at least on IMDb, uh, according to IMDb, she's still with us. There's no date saying she's passed on, but, um, there you go. Uh, apparently she, uh, retired after this acting, but, uh, Apparently, goody grandma Yokus wasn't good enough to stick around after this, so... <laughs> I guess not. Oh, look at us. Well, look at me being nice to uh, Emily. Who knows? Um, Doc shows up at the scene. Uh, he's going off at Eugene. Um, Kim apparently thought she was in charge, but uh, Doc is just going off and telling everyone what to do. Uh, it's kind of going to be an ongoing theme here that Doc is going to constantly be showing up to scenes here when he probably shouldn't be doing that. Davis comes back and says that he, one of them got away, but they're not too concerned at the moment. Back at the hospital, everyone's bringing in all the patients and kind of setting them all up for triage, putting tags on them and everything along those lines. And Davis meets an old girlfriend um, who is ADA Sharon Burns, played by Tawny Cypress. Now... This is her first appearance, isn't it? Because I always feel like she's in this a lot more than she is. And then I realise she is because she's going to be in it for quite a few episodes. She kind of will come back here and there. But for some reason, she no, she is in it. She definitely is in it. She is in it in the ties that bind. There you go. Look at that. I knew oh, she yeah, was in this earlier. Right. So, and she plays the same character. Look at that. How's that for good continuity? Oh, I knew she was in is it that previously. The same, is, is that the same girl who... Uh oh, God! What did she say to Ty in that episode? Something about it's not. She's the one who goes off at him for being a booty call, doesn't she? Like he. Oh yes, yes. Like they hook up, but then because he's dealing with everything, obviously finding out he's got an extra family and everything. But she's the one who then basically he shows up for some support, and she goes off at him for yeah for for the booty call aspect. So it is. I knew, like I knew, I knew somehow that she had been in this previously as the same character, and we. we I mean, okay, we talked about this. I do remember this now. So all coming back to me that we did talk about this, and that would have been Brandy. I think you. I don't think you were on that episode, were you, Darvell? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, right. I was. You were on that episode. Yeah, okay. I was. I was on the ties that bind. Um, but I do remember us talking about that that she would come back again. So, um. Again, I seem to be saying this a lot, but for a show that I often say has bad continuity, the fact that they've brought her back, such a minor little character from three seasons ago, I think it's pretty cool. So, yeah, there we go. He's ADA Sharon Burns. Um, so they kind of have a bit of a conversation here. She, he turns around and says like, oh, you should still be in law school. Uh, was she still in law school in the ties of bind? I can't remember. Possibly. Possibly. Um, we find out, yeah, that she's the ADA in this case now. Um, they're asking Sully some questions, and um, we find out, I guess, that... Um, we don't find out here that they're Chinese, do we? Because Sully's kind of like, look, you know, I can tell you they're Asian. I don't know whereabouts in Asia they're from, but we're going to find out soon that they're uh, from China. I do love the way that Davis here says about Sharon when it says, like... What does he say? Like, oh... Why is that surprising to you? Oh, she wasn't that smart. And, and the way that someone's like, yeah, she's a lawyer and you're a big cop. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's funny. Yep, we're getting, yep, we're getting classic Sully back. 
Which kind of leads us to a... I don't want to say a pointless storyline we get in this... I will say it's a kind of a pointless storyline this season, which we get with Sully and Davis taking the lawyer exams, which kind of never leads to anything, but, um, you know, we'll get to that soon. Uh, Grandma Yokus is with Yokus. Grandma Yokus is with Yokus. And she's trying to help him out. Uh, Yokus doesn't want anything, any help. And I do love the way she's like, are you all right? You do seem so down. And she's like, um, I was shot. <laughs> what do you expect, Grandma? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, and back in the hospital, they're still checking over the patients. Kim discovers that under one of the patient's arms is like a black, uh, I guess, like lump sort of thing. Dr. Hickman comes over and she sort of is shocked and she's like, I've never seen this before. It may be looking at the plague. And this is when they're all sort of questioning, like, you know, who hears about the plague anymore? And uh, this is where she says, like, you know, there are some parts of the world where this still exists. Um, and that they now realise that one of the guys who escaped could be out there spreading it across New York City, so they're going to have to go find him. So uh, yeah. here's our drama, drama, drama llama for the episode, Darvel. Yes, yes, indeed. Although I'm wondering how... How could they have gathered that it was the plague, strict, purely from that lump under the guy's arm? Or, I mean, other surely they would have ran other tests. Well, it's then. probably just one of these things. Like, I guess if you see somebody covered in red spots, your first inkling is maybe going to be the measles, and then you do some tests. Um, so I'm assuming yep. that this black lump thing under an arm or something, because I mean it's very distinct. You, I mean, you see this as like it's this black gross looking lump thing under his arm like maybe that is the key sign that you have the plague um you know like hmm. there are certain I'll have diseases to look that up. yeah i i don't know i mean i've never had the plague i'm not a doctor i'm not a cop <laughs> i've never had the plague <laughs> yeah and before learning. you ask no i haven't had the plague either are you sure are you positive i am absolutely 100 percent irrefutably positive okay good just well, if you're a doctor, you could have diagnosed yourself, but you're not a doctor, so I don't know. I have to check these things. Um, Wait, <laughs> oh, you should have had the plague. You're coughing right now. You might have the plague. Get away I from me. <laughs> Couldn't resist, man. Had to mess with you. Had to mess with you. <laughs> Just don't jump over fences and run away from me. Can you promise me that? Uh, so there's a big citywide search going on right now. Bosco talking about uh, seeing an Asian guy walking. Is it Bosco or Munro who then turns around and says, I don't have a T-shirt that says I love wetbacks? Is that Bosco who says that? Well, maybe I can't it's Munro remember. who pulls him up and says, like, you basically, I don't know. It's it's just a very, you know, like, inappropriate line essentially being said there. But Cruz shows up uh, to the scene saying that she can help. And I just love the reaction from Bosco and Munro when they turn around and go, oh, my God. <laughs> they see her in a uniform. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just love their reaction. Uh, and then Cruz wants to talk to Swirsky, says that she might have an idea. There's some Asian gangs that... Uh, the snakeheads that she says you should check up because they've got some uh, people smuggling connections. So Cruz knows, you know, what's she's pretty smart at these things. She is a sergeant. She works in anti-crime. Um, they're looking for a translator. Apparently there's no translators that can uh, help them out here. The driver, meanwhile, dies. So it just became a, a homicide or a murder case, basically. Um, I do love it when they're in lockdown. 
And uh, we have that one guy who's like, they've got the SARS, don't they? And he's like, I saw an outbreak. You guys better be searching for that monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was around the time that the that SARS was really in the news. Yeah, because we had, it was like two things in a row, wasn't it, in the 2000s? We had SARS and bird flu. And then we had swine flu, uh, which yeah, I actually swine got flu swine flu. swine flu was in 09. I got swine flu. That wasn't fun. Um... But yeah, I just love this guy. Like, I love this guy. It's just, he's maybe my favorite random character in this season so far. Like, you better be looking for that monkey. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of, um, what episode was it when the guy got hit with the iron? And he's like, I got hit with a smoover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was, was season two. I'm wasn't pretty it? sure that was, I'm pretty sure that was he said, she said. Mm. And then there was also uh, the one with the guy when he has the screwdriver in his head. He's like, it doesn't hurt. Look, I can move it. Don't! <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a season one episode, although I forgot the title of it. Oh, uh, so fun. It's been a while since we've kind of had this classic sort of, you know, considering, like, uh, I think I mentioned before that, like, the first kind of eight, nine episodes of this season, really, there's limited humour to these episodes. Um... So they're kind of very just, you know, down the line, sort of almost, not completely serious, serious, but just this guy. I love this guy. He's so funny. Can we try and remember yeah. this guy when we do a season five recap as just somebody who we love? We're not going to remember him, but, you know, just try to. Um, we have sort of a, a bit of a montage kind of thing here where we've got a lot of people just walking around. We've got Bosco and Munro questioning people. We see crews going in and questioning people. Um, and then, um, Bosco says, Oh, we must have talked to about a thousand people. And Munro says, Yeah, only 8.9 million to go. Can I just point out, Munro's maths are pretty <laughs> terrible. Can we just establish that? Like, no. If you've talked to a thousand people in a city of nine million people, you do not have 8.9 million people to go. You have like 8.99999 million to go. <laughs> like, hey, you got, got eight. Eight million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand left. Yeah, exactly, exactly, Sasha. Come on, um, we've found a translator. They've put the uh, call over the uh, hospital. Uh, Davis has one there. They're trying to question all the people who have been qu- quarantined. Uh, we finally get one girl comes out who obviously speaks English. We find out that the uh, guy who's done a runner is her brother. Um, she thinks it's a trick that they're not really sick. Uh, ADA, Sharon goes off at everybody, you know, you'll all go to jail. Uh, and then Davis questions her and says, like, look, calm down, you know, and she's like, no, there's no deals. Um, and can I just point out that, that Davis and Sharon are having this conversation right in front of these people, like they've barely stepped away. So they can still totally hear everything that they're saying. Sully steps in and basically calms down the situation. This pretty much says what Davis was saying, as we're going to find out a little bit after that, you know, that doesn't, um, sit too well with Davis. And, um, then they, um, sort of, they're going to come to the conclusion here that they're going to get some help. I'll just kind of lump the scene in afterwards where, um, she gives up the information that they've got another brother there who's also illegal and that's probably where her brother's gone. There's that scene in between that though, which you had your opening line when Carlos is saying, you know, I pictured myself uh, in my seventies, couple of double D's in my face, you know, dying that way in Vegas. And this is where, uh, Doc says, Oh, don't get used to the new guy. He won't last. So, um, yeah, kind of, uh, average yeah. 
decent scene here between Carlos and Doc. You know, again, we, we say, keep saying Doc's kind of on a downward spiral, so few and far between with these scenes moving forward. Yeah, sadly. Yeah. Uh, so they, they know where this guy might be, as I said, might be, um, out at his brother's house. Um, so Cruz and Bosco show up. Uh, is Munro's here too, isn't she? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and then they show up to this door. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the guy does a runner out the window. He's climbing everywhere up a pole, up onto the bridge. And, uh, essentially he falls off the bridge and, um, we see that he's like landed and got his leg, I guess, impaled inside of, uh, the bridge. Great overhead shot of, um, Bosco, Munro and Cruz sort of over the bridge as well, the way we see this. And I don't know what bridge this is. Um, it looks like the bridge that they use in the first Fantastic Four movie when kind of there's like layers on it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a cool shot the way they do this. Um, Shirley, meanwhile, is fluffing pillows for Yokus and kind of helping her out. And Yokus snaps. It's like, will you leave me alone? I don't need your help. So finally, Yokus stands up and kind of goes off at Shirley. And then we've got the, uh, rescue here of our, uh, our Chinese friend who Jimmy comes down and kind of, you know, don't blame you. We want to stay in this country. It's greatest in the world. Um, and kind of Cruz mentions that, you know, he'll be calmed down because he sees FDNY, America's heroes. Um, his leg is sort of impaled and broken. It's kind of a bit of a graphic scene, kind of a blink and you miss it. I hate it when you see, like, Ouch. legs and bones sticking out and things like that. It's definitely not one of my favourite things to see. Uh, and for some reason, I, I never understand. They've, like, they've, they've hooked up a system here where they've got him on, like, a stretcher and they've winched it to the bridge and, like, they're only, I don't know, a metre and a half, two metres away from the top of the bridge, yet they somehow, for some reason, winch him down onto a boat below. Like, I don't understand why they don't winch him up above. So... Maybe it would have been too risky to to pull him up. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. There's, there's a reason behind it. I'm sure if any of our FDNY people are listening... Darvell, were you a firefighter? Could you tell me the reason here? <laughs> <laughs> Nope, I no. wasn't. Nope, okay. I wasn't a firefighter. Although this is gonna sound crazy, I wanted I wanted to be one when I was little. Okay. Although if you really think about no, I was gonna say if you really think about it, maybe I could have done it because I'm used to finding my way without being able to see. Mm. And the and firefighters, I mean, when they're in when they're in fires anyway, that that smoke it can get so thick that they really don't have any idea where they're going. Yeah, well, that's true, but I, I guess it's one of those tricky ones, isn't it, where, you know, you would still need a certain level of sight to be able to assess situations, right. though. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure yeah, you've yeah. kind of had that for the most of your life, though, haven't you? Whereas there would be jobs where you want to do, but maybe they... I don't know, like, how does that work? Like... No idea. No idea, yeah. It's interesting. I'm sure there's people out there who do certain things in the fire department with you know, vision disabilities and things like that. So I I've never know. heard of any. Hmm. I've never heard of any. That doesn't mean they aren't out there, but I've never heard of any. Yeah. Well, if you think to look up, yeah, if you're listening out there, people send us a, send us a comment. We seem to beg for that a lot because we don't get any comments, but Hey, cool. Like it could happen. One day. We're just going to get one episode where we're going to get like a cop firefighter, somebody who had the plague, a uh, doctor, uh, <laughs> a paramedic, yes. um, 
A dirty uh, kid. Someone who, <laughs> yeah, someone who, I don't know, shot up a hospital Im- emergency room. Can we just imagine that if the kid who played Dirty Kid, like, listened and he, he, he like, messaged us and was like, hey, I was Dirty Kid. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> fuck off. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I'm not that mean, or maybe I am. I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Yokus, meanwhile, uh, falls off a bed. Um, Grandma Yokus, um, is still there. And, um, yeah, she's crying and she's saying it's not fair. It's a pretty sad scene. It's, it's kind of interesting the Yokus stuff this episode. Like, I'm not trying to just brush it aside, but. It's, like, they've obviously included, like, again, this goes to my long-going point that Jokus is the star of this show. Like, clearly, did we have Taylor recovers scenes last season when she got hit by a car? No. No. Whereas, like, clearly no, we're we getting... we never did. We're getting a lot of screen time here with Jokus, and that's obviously a lot to do with the fact that Fred and Emily are kind of main cast members as well. But it's it's good. I like the fact that, like, there's nothing inc- incredibly groundbreaking and necessary about this story. Like, you can completely take out of this episode Jokus's storyline and nothing changes this episode. But, um, yeah, I still kind of like the fact that they show this. So, yeah, even though it is kind of wasted long term, as we've kind of established, and that <laughs> Fred and... Oh, he's got the plague still. Um... And that Fred and Yokus's kind of relationship is going to be changed when she comes back. But uh, she also obviously yells at uh, Shirley to get rid of the kids as they come rushing in after they hear uh, Yokus falling down. So it's sad. Poor Yokus. Mm-hmm. Um, then we find out back in the hospital that they've been given temporary visas. Well, some of them, the, the sister and the brother, the original brother, has been deported. The plague's fine. It hasn't spread. The guy wasn't showing any symptoms, so that's good. Um, then Davis kind of questions, uh, the ADA about why she didn't listen to him and then listen to Sully because he's got all this experience and everything. And, um, you know, then Davis thought he'd always be working side by side with her. But, uh, then she kind of mentions to him like, Hey, you can always go back. So sowing some scenes for a very pointless storyline this season. Uh, and meanwhile, Kim, Opens up a letter finally. She smiles. Uh, good news for her. She hasn't gotten any nasty diseases from Aaron. So go Kim. Yay. Uh, we've got Bosco and Munro in the car. Kind of Munro talking about how many people they could have come in contact with. Bosco is just kind of like, eh, it's pointless to think about it. Um, he'll leave the possibilities to someone else. And then we end with a shot of Yokus and Fred laying on the bed. And kind of that's the end of the episode. Uh, so I, I yeah. wonder if, like, I wonder if the way this, that conversation between Munro and Bosco at the end is kind of, you know, the writers have had that thing and thinking like, hey, we can revisit this again in the future. Cause, okay, spoiler alert, they sort of do. We do have a whole episode and well, two episodes technically, if you classify the medical investigation crossover next season, um, as kind of revisiting a similar storyline. So, um, obviously they liked it enough to revisit it. I'm looking forward to actually next season yeah. doing that because I've never actually watched that medical investigation episode for some reason. I don't know why I've never watched that episode, but, uh, anyway, so that is lockdown. Um, yeah, it's a fairly decent middle of the road episode, Darville. Yep. And for that, I'm torn between giving it a low buy and a high rent. Well, look, talking this episode, with you has made me kind of slightly change, think about changing my opinion, but I'm not, I'm still going to rent it. 
It's a high rent, though. Like, it's, it's a, it's a decent episode. This is kind of, as I keep saying this season, really from now until episode 10, excuse me, um, it's just middle of the road. Like, we have some buys, we have some rents, there's nothing completely out of the realms of amazing. So, to me, that just is a pure rent for this episode, you know? It's, it's, you remember this episode, but it's not exactly one that, if you sit down and think, hey, I'm gonna watch all 132 episodes of Third Watch, you're not instantly going, oh, I can't wait to get to lockdown. You just kind of get to it, and you're like, yeah, lockdown. Cool. It's so, there. Yeah, it's there. It's Grace. There she is. <coughs> <laughs> She's there. Uh, so what are you doing with it? Are you renting it or buying it? Mm, I'm going to give it a high rent also. Okay. There we go. Lockdown it in. <laughs> see what I did there? I tried to make a it's, joke. It's locked down. It's, oh, the, both see, you come up with a better one, right? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's it's locked down. We have both given it a high rent. Uh, I have this... Actually, I've, according to my rankings, I've given it a fairly low rent, but I mean, it's still kind of in that middle range area. So I, again, I, I will establish that I've ranked it up to 98 episodes, so I've ranked up to the spirit. So uh, including 98 episodes, I have this currently at 87th out of 98. Wow, okay. <laughs> it seems a lot lower than I've just talked it around, but... um you know, the highest rent I have on my list right now is number 69. So there's a lot of buys. The More than half of this show is a buy. So there you go. That's kind of uh, speaking for itself. Uh, but next week, we come back with a good episode. I like the next episode in lieu of Johnson. It's pretty much a Jimmy-centric mm-hmm. episode, which is good. It's been... when Look, I'm trying to work this off the top of my head, Darvel. When was our last purely Jimmy-centric episode? Because it's got to be season three. Yeah, I think it, I think it was, it was either that or it was, or it was Honor from season two. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. Like, I'm, like, this isn't purely a fire episode. Like, it's not purely a Jimmy episode, but I would say the majority of this is a fire episode. Um, yeah. And I'm just <clears throat> looking, scrolling Probably through one here. of the last ones we get. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've got like, yeah, like Jimmy stuff with Kim in season three, but I'm just trying to see here really quickly if I scroll through. I think you might be right. Because uh, if we go back, there's nothing really just, I'm just going through the quick Wikipedia synopsises here and there's nothing really of a fire one. So if you go all the way back here, I'm going to say it would be Honor, which is crazy. Um, yep, it is. Which, I mean, it is, it, although. Again, in fairness, this isn't purely firefighter, but still, yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. I interrupted you. Yeah, oh, you're good. I was gonna say, you're right. It isn't purely fire centric. I mean, we do get the we do get the cops here and there, and and <laughs> I've been waiting to say this. We get and and then with the cops, I mean, we get DMX. I mean, we're not we. <laughs> I actually, I actually like, like, I used to really not like this episode, like, with the DMX stuff, but there was just something charming about it now, and, like, Third Watch oh, yeah. has a habit of getting kind of random actors and, like, you know, rappers and musicians kind of coming in, but DMX is actually pretty good, and I actually, is. I've come to really like this episode now with the DMX stuff. It's kind of, it's fun, and I think, like, when I first saw this episode, I didn't know who he was. Um, so... You did not know who DMX was? Well, you know, white guy growing up in suburban Hobart in Australia. (laughs) Um, 
not necessarily exposed to DMX style of music. Um, well, as he would say, as DMX would say, what? <laughs> but I know who he is now, so, you know, I've grown a brain. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just actually something really kind of fun about this episode that I don't mind. So, but yeah, like the firefighter stuff, so it's good. And there's a big moment between, uh, Kim and Jimmy in this episode, which really sets us up too. So yeah, it's, it's a solid yeah. episode. I like it. In lieu of Johnson, it's a good one. Um, so that's next week. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, all the relevant channels, you know what to do. And please keep listening because you love us apparently because you do because we weren't doctors we weren't firefighters we weren't anything we were just podcast hosts well still are um my name is ben (laughs) and don't wash anything i'll remember that my name's darvell and hey thanks for listening as always and we will see you next week Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.